Dan and Corey here, welcoming you in to Libservative. The great fundamental issue now before our people. Yeah, welcome in to another rousing rendition of Libservative Intellectual Idiots Fostering Political and Cultural Literacy. Bell the Body Snatcher on the ones and twos. He is always is Corey Walsh. And he's Dan Griffin. <laughs> you like that? What the, hell you, what the hell are you looking at? Corey's Nothing, watching no, the try, off to his left over I there. was trying to do the thing that they do on the news where they turn. <laughs> I thought you'd get is a that, kick out of it. Is that a dig at one of our topics tonight, which is the fact that the legacy media is officially on life support? Well, shit, Dan, it is now. <laughs> was that like a subconscious dig? It might have been. Uh, how shitty the legacy media is? That in a mix of what I'm really trying to do right now is buy some time. So my pages opens up so I can share the tagline for the show. Oh, that's fine, because well, while you're waiting for that, I will set up what we have to talk about uh, this evening. First, we're obviously, always, as we always do, we are going to do what we learned in school this week. Got to set that up. I've never set that up. I don't feel, I don't know why I felt the need to do that tonight, but I just did it, so fuck off. Uh, we are going to be discussing the troops that were attacked at a base that wasn't a base, that is a base, but isn't a base in Jordan. Why so secretive? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna discuss that in detail, I believe, this evening, and the fall of the legacy media, the absolute super mm, probably shouldn't say the four letter word. Uh, Taylor Lorenz uh, decided to put out a video earlier this week discussing the collapse of legacy media, and uh, yeah, you can't say that word. That got Taylor the Duff canceled. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Well, I don't know which four letter word I was going to use. There's one that begins with a C and another with a T. I'm not sure exactly which one I wanted. So I just decided not to go with either of them. Um, yeah, she's or a awful. B. There's a B one. Uh, and we're actually going to put no, you know what? That's actually a lot. I think isn't that word more derogatory than the, the C or the T at this point? What, Brett? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the Texas Texas versus the U.S. government 2.0. Isn't this great? We're having another Texas revolution down there at the border. That's going to be just a wonderful story that Corey knows a little bit more about than me, so he's going to carry the lead on that one. And then also in Texas, the government, uh, big government, I should say, is uh, keeping the homeless hungry. If we get to that, if we get to that point, that is a story we've been meaning to cover here now for a few weeks. Um, but it is a story that can wait if must, if need be. But anyway, do you have the taglines ready now, Corey? The Sertive Podcast is found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is libservativeshow.com. We can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Instagram and Twitter at libservativepod. Our TikTok videos can be found at Libservative Podcast, and you can reach out directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. Subscribe today. The answer is yeah, Dan. <laughs> and the uh, all of our uh, listeners will be happy to realize that we will not be playing forward down the field this week because no. our Detroit Football Lions 
engaged in one of the greatest playoff collapses of all time. So that was fun to watch uh, on Sunday. But now we can all move on with our lives. Live by the Dan Gamble, you die by the Dan Gamble. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that another time. (laughs) Corey, what did you learn in school this week? Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm putting you on a spot today. Like, you need to be on your game. One minute. All right. You want to know what I learned this week? This this some shit. That nostalgia yourself (laughs) is, you know, like, you know, how like, so, so to set it up, the reason why I even started going down this rabbit hole is, uh, Someone mentioned Taylor Swift, you know, because that whole Taylor Swift Kelsey thing is going on. And uh, it's almost like the LeBron James thing now. Like the people who are hitting at her are just as annoying as the people who love it. And, or you you know what I mean? But uh, it made me think of a song by Taylor Swift from like 15 years ago that. uh, Teardrops on your guitar? No, uh, our song. Like our song is a slam and screen door. You know that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Anyways, yeah. When she was a country artist. Album. Back when she was a country <laughs> artist. Yeah, it was me and this little fling I had back in the day. That was the song. And it just set me on a whole nostalgic path that led into thinking about, you know, when you're like 20 years old and how much simpler life was. And it got me thinking about the idea of nostalgia. And so I started looking into nostalgia and stuff. And how, uh, like, basically, if anyone doesn't know the word, nostalgia is a feeling of longing for the past, often associated with happy memories. And according to some research, but so this is what got it interesting for me is nostalgia and all the emotions it stirs and that hard, uh, like the, the, the hard punch feelings you get with it is believed to be an evolutionary trait, Dan. And that it it's is believed that nostalgia can help people feel more connected to their social groups and communities, which can be a beneficial for survival. For example, nostalgia can help people feel more optimistic and inspired, which can lead to greater mental fortitude. Additionally, nostalgia can help people feel more connected to their cultural heritage, which can provide a sense of identity and belonging. However, it is important to note that nostalgia is not always positive and can sometimes lead to negative emotions such as sadness or regret, or probably putting your mouth on the you on the boomstick end of the ouchy side you know what that brought into my brain was like do do you think that what you just said about nostalgia being an evolutionary trait do you think that has anything to do with like uh generational warfare like you know how you're a millennial you talk shit about gen z you're a boomer you talk shit about every generation because you're the most entitled generation in the history of all time i said it and i mean it uh (laughs) but even even what i just even what i just said like generational warfare might have a little bit to do with that nostalgic effect like oh the good old days well what's interesting too is like because of so like i also was reading about this is so with the uptick of uh like or the huge influx of social media and stuff like that Nostalgia is used more of a tool of like like a drug by marketing groups and different things like that now more than ever. Because it makes like, complete sense because you think about music, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there there was a study that came out not that long ago. I forgot who it was by or where it was from. I'm sure you can probably look it up. But after you turn 25 years old, you general you generally stop, oh, like consuming new music. Like you might hear new music that you like. 
but it's never going to have the same effect on you as music that you listen to in your teenage years and, and in your early 20s. And I know that that's true because like I still listen to the same music that I listened to when I was 25 and younger. Oh, really? Like I'm, and, and I appreciate like newer music, but I don't I don't I don't actively seek it out. Like if I'm sitting here playing on my pool table or whatever, like I want to listen to something that I'm familiar with that I know I've always enjoyed. And I, I feel like I feel like that's true. I feel like that's how most people operate. You know what's weird is I remember reading an article something like that around the age of 25. And I think it's always stuck with me. And so like I'm constantly trying to find new music. But but are you at the same but time, are you actively but are you are you actively seeking it out when you're around a bonfire or just chilling with your with your homies? No, you're playing the music no, that you always like. I'm playing the music I like. Or yeah. or I would play a radio station of a song I like. To play stuff at least similar to it. And let it go. Yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, I'm typically digging through the crates, you know, trying to find new music. I pick up vinyls and stuff like that. But uh, but yeah, no, uh, music is one of the things as evidenced by how this even started for me was a song with music. But it's just interesting how and I was thinking about this is the fact that like uh, kids our age, I feel like. You always see them posting stuff and we're only in our 30s about like the 90s and things like that. And I think nostalgia is you like we feel nostalgia at a younger age because of the fact that social media is constantly in our faces for the sake of something like uh, what happened la- or like Facebook every every day gives you, you know, your your memories of that day throughout the years. You know, yeah, well, it's interesting because we, we we say this all the time. I don't, we don't say it all the time. but I know we it's like, damn, that know, was fun. I remember those days. I know, I know we've said this uh a, a, a couple of times on this show. Um fuck, now I lost my train of thought. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I was done. I was, that was, you, were, you were done. I'm Shall lost, move on to, I'm lost to in melancholy of yesteryear, Dan. <laughs> oh no, I remember <laughs> now now I remember what I was gonna say. Uh, oh look at about that. Mo- about millennials. And about how we are we are the last generation to remember what it's like without the internet in our pockets. Mm-hmm. So like there there isn't this so like there is a maybe there is like a, a a nostalgia that came upon us a little bit earlier in life than it maybe it did for previous generations because like we're the last generation that was like, dude, fucking go outside. Like we had video games and stuff, but it was always you had to be in the house with your friends socializing right yeah, while was, playing those video games yeah you had to be in the same in place. The house and you had either yeah you had the land the land going on it wasn't even before that time. like where you just you're just playing two-player sega genesis you know at your house just playing mortal Kombat or whatever and yep. so maybe that does bring on a little bit earlier nostalgia than most most other gen than any other generation has ever had because we're, we're, we're like i actually take pride in the fact that i am we are going to be the last generation that actually remembers a life without cell phones in everybody's pockets and, and then particularly we watched, smartphones in everybody's pockets and then we watched 2000 people die on live tv and it all went to shit right yeah no that's that's right that's yeah wow um that that really was no because i mean the the first the first iphone didn't come out till 2007 which is a year after i graduated high school right I never like i never had the first iphone but i remember because remember when they came out with the iphone they also had the ipod touch yeah, which was basically just an iPhone that wasn't a phone. 
Yeah. <laughs> if you, yeah, if I had you had think an iPod about what an touch. iPod touch was, yeah, I, I had the same thing. Like you yeah. can still hook it up to the internet. You can still use Twitter and all that stuff on it, but you just, it didn't have a, a cellular connection. Yeah. I remember being pissed, but I happy at the same time because like I was saving up money to buy a uh, Xbox and then my iPad, my iPod broke. I had the, I had the iPod it. video. And you had to have a new iPod. I had to. <laughs> there were my old uh, dad going, ah, why do you want that crap? You paid so how was, much for that thing? Your what I learned in school this week was a little bit more lighthearted, so maybe I should have gone first. Um, I learned... Don't worry, that, we got bells after you. That's true. So hopefully his is a little more lighthearted. So we'll sandwich we'll sandwich mine in, which is which is the, the not-so-good one. Head. Oh, he's backstage he's shaking got a, his head. <laughs> He's got a he's got a tough one too. Uh, what I learned this week is that there is no limit to using drugs. Uh, quote well, that's true, but quote unquote, um, far right wing slash fascism as a trope to push your agenda. Those words. How do I know this? Uh, I don't know if anybody has seen that these uh, German farmers are running around Germany uh, as, German as, uh, as essentially a, a protest against uh, whatever you want to call it, climate justice, because they're farmers and they want to do their fucking job. And they want to do it well. Yeah, and they want to levy food. a bunch of taxes against them and stuff like that, right? Yeah, like, and a it's diesel it's, fuel tax. And- yeah, it's all climate change stuff to where it, your your food's going to be more expensive. It's going to make farmers' jobs harder. So what are they doing? They're rolling into these fucking uh, bureaucratic buildings and dumping manure and shit all over the street. Throw shit around like a bunch of goddamn monkeys. I think it's fucking hilarious and fantastic. But what do you think the German government is saying about these people, Corey? They're calling them far right. And I look at that and I go, if there was ever going to be one country, one country that wasn't going to throw far right or fascist, just throw it around and throw that term away as if it's meaningless. I would think it would be the Germans. I was wrong. The Germans. I was wrong. They are doing this to these farmers. So there is so if 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 German if the if the German establishment is willing to just throw far right around as an insult because they don't like what these people are doing even though they're probably in the right I mean, obviously, you can have a debate on that, but they're probably in the right small R. <laughs> uh, anybody, anybody will do it. That's what I learned in school this week. Fascism and far right as a trope, as a weapon, as a tool to demonize people, regardless of what their actual uh, political affiliation or what their actual um, uh I, I guess Endgame is. If the Germans do it, we're all fucked. Is that if fair? German, is that a fair assessment? I don't know. We saw Canada do it. You yeah, see it but thrown around here a lot. Canada, but. Canada didn't have a bunch of Nazis running around killing Jews for seven years. Did you see the trucker protest, Dan? <laughs> I did see the trucker protest. But did you see all German- those fascists out there. 
the Germans who are you can't you cannot even use Nazi uh, uh, symbolism anywhere unless it's for like documentary style purposes or there are exceptions for being able to use Nazi imagery. Obviously, it's it's really hard to write a book or do a documentary about the Third Reich without, you know, showing some Nazi imagery. But those are like the only exceptions for utilizing those things. But yet you're going to sit there and call farmers that are protesting your uh, your idiotic policies that are going yeah, to make your I people always, starve. I always found that kind you're of calling, weird, right? You're essentially like, calling them Nazis. Go for it. I always thought it was interesting that when people are protesting government overreach, whether you agree with the protest or not, you could be completely against the protest. I never understood them arguing against less government. Be, people arguing for less government being grouped in with fascism. Because fascism, like what's the definition of fascism? It's about like oppression, right? Like government oppression. It's centralized power. Yeah, centralized power used in force of oppression or whatever. If you're arguing against more government, I don't know. It's just I don't know. The, the word it's one of those words that lost its meaning. It's it's frustrating because like there are fascists anything. out there. There are fascists out there. There's true fascism. You got someone trying to use the power of the government to oppress you. That's fascism. Happens all over the country. I'm not I'm <laughs> all over the world. Sorry, I didn't mean to use uh to an American centrist view of the world that we're the only ones that matter, but you get what you picking up what I'm laying down. So according to Merriam-Webster, fascism, if you define it as a uh, and Merriam-Webster has changed some definitions to a piece of Merriam now recent times, uh, a political philosophy, movement or regime such as that of fascisti that exalts nation and often race above the individual and that stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictatorial dictatorial leader. So the the often race part was added. Uh, that's not the traditional definition of what fascism is, but it stands for centralized autocratic government headed by a dict dictatorial leader. That's fascism. Yeah. And so protesting your government from trying to, you know, extend its power, whether it's through taxes or, you know anything like that i just don't think people understand the uh the definition yeah like, it's not fascism matter. you can call it stupid they're literally out there throwing shit around like sure you could be completely against what they're doing but like use the right words for different things like well and it's interesting right because it's it's interesting right because like if you compare it to say the protests of 2020 the 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 post George Floyd protests where folks are running around burning buildings and the uh the reason for that is because they're tired of cops killing black folks right or at right. least they're that's, that's they're, Dan let's 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 articulate it for them better than they ever could because it's hard to articulate anything when you have a thousand people all chanting it at once you got to keep the syllables low they were. Uh, tired of the monopolized violence that the muscle of the government exuded. 
or at least that's that's what we're led to believe, right? Then there's well, that's some. I, um... No, no, no. What I mean by that is a lot of those protests had grifters, had thieves that took advantage and went and looted. The troublemakers, which isn't anything new. Even Martin Luther King talked about outside uh, agitators or even agitators within the group. But the message was, hey, uh, monopolized government violence. This needs to fucking stop. Uh, Whether you want to say against black people, uh, poor people, doesn't whatever angle you want to take on it, right? But then you have and, and and those those are the good guys. But then you have people like the um, Canadian truckers. You have these German farmers that are doing the exact same thing, mm-hmm. going going against government monopolization and terrible policy for what for the things that not only they believe in, but the things that contribute to their livelihood. Mm-hmm. But one of those is fascist, and the other is the 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 good um, su- good supporters trouble. of de- supporters of democracy. And it's yeah. like if you could have if you could have people like these German farmers and those Canadian truckers. Oh, and by the way, the good part of the Black Lives Matter movement from 2020. If you could have all of them on the same fucking team, do you realize? How much power you would have? A lot. Or am I an a- or am I an asshole? Am I the asshole? <laughs> no, I don't think so, Dan. You're absolutely on point with that. It's just it go- like you know, like we we refer to uh, Noam Chomsky's book, uh, "Manufacturing Consent," often because we're we typically talk about the media and stuff, but it's about worthy and unworthy victims. Farmers just should just get back to till in the field. They don't have time for this trivial nonsense. Yeah. That's what I learned in school this week, Corey. Fascism literally doesn't mean anything now. It's a word that is meaningless and we can just throw it away. That's a fact. All right, let's bring Bella in. I want to hear I want to hear what Bell learned this week. She said it's it's meaningless. It is. It's a meaningless word. It, is, it sucks because it shouldn't be. That should be a word that gives you recoil, like racism. Yeah. You know, and neither of like, those. I'm at a point now, and maybe this is my white privilege coming out, but I'm at a point now where if somebody calls somebody a racist or if somebody's accused of being a racist, my immediate, my immediate reaction is, are they? Let's see what actually happened. Now, if and it's you know if, it's, just, and like, if it's somebody if it's somebody on Twitter just like spouting the n word and talking about how black people are subhuman or whatever, then it's, it's like, like yeah, okay, yeah, no, that's yeah. a racist. Okay, no, right, yeah, that's that's actually a racist. That's easy like, to point out. But yeah, no, I get what you're saying, <laughs> and that's what I mean. That's what frustrates me about it that the word is thrown around so casually. Because now you got people being able to slide under the radar that probably are actually racist. They just don't say the n word, and because they're not blatantly racist. Right. And the word racist is thrown everywhere. This person could found could sound could sound sophisticated and is using like the 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 other bullshit you see with narratives of like talking about eugenics and different things like this. And the stuff they're spouting off is clearly racist, but because they're not saying racist words and the word racism is thrown around everywhere, if you say that's racist rhetoric, there people are like, oh, that's what they say. They say that about everything. 
And it's just, it's frustrating to me because it's like racism does exist and it's real. And Corey, don't talk about Charlie Kirk that way live on the air. What's the matter with you? Well, fuck that guy. His face is too small. His face is way too fucking small for his big ass head. Oh God, it's weird. His face is like scrunched together. Like, like, so, so like, look at my triangle here. My eyes down to my mouth. His are like condensed down to here, but he has the yep. same size. He looks head. like a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, we're never. Well, we're never getting invited to Turning Point USA now. So. Oh, bummer! That's a shame. Oh man. <laughs> Bell, what did you learn in school this week? Well, I was reading about the Vietnam War. It lasted twenty oh. years. We were in Afghanistan for twenty-one years. We were in a lot of places for a long time, and a lot of wars lasted a long time. What was the shortest war? Do you guys know? I would say that that uh, that we were involved in the United States or no, the shortest ever. war ever. Wasn't there, like a, wasn't there like a 28 day war? The six like day war or the six day war. Yeah. So Zanzibar. Used that was to be that was with, that was with uh, France, right? No, it's I not, don't it's, remember. Who was involved. <laughs> France used to be there. Or Zanzibar used to be like their own little country and Britain tried to take them over naturally. Obviously, the story is more complicated than that. But they gave them an ultimatum to give up their leadership pretty much at nine o'clock in the morning and instead the Zanzibarians were like nah we're going to get all of our slaves and our citizens to defend our castle and at 9 o'clock the the British declared war on the Zanzibarians and by 9.46am the Britons had taken over the entire island of Zanzibar making the war, the Anglo-Zanzibar war last 46 whopping minutes wow so it wasn't the 6 day war 46 minutes <laughs> that's what i learned i you know what i love how bell always comes in with something like super historical it's fucking great <laughs> like Corey and i think too hard and, Corey and i think too hard and then bell comes in. oh no yeah we lost damn we lost your audio you're still here but we lost your audio <laughs> Yeah, no, Dude, the I, accidentally, war, I, I accidentally hit the mute button on my mic. I was as I was trying to adjust it. <laughs> I've never done that before. There we go. I'm back. Mine's not, mine wasn't too bad or depressing, <laughs> which was good. So it's just funny. No, just, yours yeah. is, so like Bell's is always from like pre like if it happened 1900 or before, that's always Bell's what he learned in school this week. I'm not saying that as a, it, to disparage you. I actually kind of like it. It, it brings it brings mm-hmm. out some uh, a different angle of our show. <clears throat> that yeah, is pretty wild because I am full chock full of that shit. I just that's the that's what I read about most of the time. The shortest war in American stuff. history that America was involved with. Because I, I knew we had a super the short war, day. but it was the Spanish American War. No, the six. Well, I mean, I, we probably involved in the Six Day War, but the Six Day War was in Israel. Yeah. Uh, the Spanish-American War was three oh. months. Yeah. Which uh, I don't remember what it. the Spanish-American War it was, was less about. Than three was, months. That, was that about Florida? No. Um, We're morons. We're it was morons about Cuba now. gaining independence from Spain, I think. And here we are. We don't know no, everything. I'm pretty sure it was... I'm... 
The Spanish-American War was a conflict between the I'm United States that and right Spain now, that lasted from April 21st to December 20th, 1898. The war sparked. The war was sparked by explode by the explosion of USS Marine in Havana Harbor, which led to the United States involvement in the Cuban War of Independence. Yeah. It was about Cuban independence. Way to go, Bell. <laughs> Look at you. Even he looked surprised that he knew that was. That they, <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, no. I, he's like, what, what do you mean? I knew that the whole time. Uh, dude, Rosa no, Parks above your head. I was 90% well, Rosa, sure. I was like, I think, I'm pretty sure that's the one. Rosa Parks above Bell's head. She's like smiling down on him. I kind of love it. <laughs> She's so proud. <laughs> no, she sure is. She's so what a what a glorious lady. Her. You know, yeah, but you see what she said to you, Dan, when you said that? Nah. Nah. <laughs> nah. Hey, I thought it I thought it was a six-day war. I was wrong, but it's a 40, it was the 46-minute war or whatever the hell Bell said it was. Oh, yeah, the anyway, Anglo, it's the Anglo-Zanzibar War. The Anglo-Zanzibar War. Anglo, that's racist. Don't use that term, Anglo. They said it, not me. <laughs> uh, they said it, not me. Sure? And then Bell just bounces out. <laughs> yeah, he left. Oh. All right, so what do you want to start with, Dan? Speaking of war, Corey, uh, U.S. troops attacked uh, in Jordan. We couldn't figure out for days whether it was Jordan or Libya. Jordan was saying, or uh, not Libya, Syria. Syria. Uh, Jordan was saying it was Syria. Uh, the United States saying it was Jordan. I don't think we exactly know yet, but it's really close to the border, and it appears it was probably uh, in Jordan. The issue that we have here, Corey, is this. The United States government has tried to make it very, very clear to us over these last however many days it's been that we are not at war in the Middle East. Do you believe them, Corey Walsh? No, Dan. I mean, I mean, yes, Dan. You believe them. You believe them. Oh good, yeah. Good. You know the Pentagon has never led us Go astray. Fuck yourself. And the <laughs> conflict has exclusively resided in the Gaza Strip. Nowhere. Ah else. yes. Nowhere else. Shall I read a couple of articles from Ken Klippenstein, Corey Walsh? Yeah. Go ahead. Why not? Ken is a m- master troll in the best way possible so this is from january 28th right what are we talking about three days ago here as we record this show three that would be three days then three u.s troops killed in jordan as pentagon insists that we're not at war uh the article says last night three u.s army troops were killed in a drone attack on an undisclosed u.s uh, u.s facility in jordan First deaths by enemy fire of U.S. soldiers in the Middle East since the Israel-Hamas war started. This tragedy explodes two lies. The Biden administration has been pushing ever since the Gaza war started. started. Number one, quote, we are not at war in the Middle East. As the Pentagon Press Secretary, uh, Brigadier General Pat writer said on tuesday number two quote we currently assess that the fight between israel and hamas continues to remain contained in gaza and quote also by writer 
anyone with a room temperature IQ can see that we are at war in the Middle East. The past weeks alone, the U.S. has bombed Iranian-linked militias and ISIS in Syria, as well as Iraq, and is bombing Houthi targets in Yemen. As for the notion that the Israel-Hamas war is contained to Gaza, that is equally bullshit. (laughs) I inserted that last word. Uh, the, 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 the reason for the U.S. strikes on Houthi targets in Yemen is that the Houthis are attacking ships in the Red Sea, a key shipping lane on which international commerce depends with the stated purpose of ending Israel's war in Gaza. How is that, quote unquote, contained in Gaza? Carry on top of the dishonesty Sunday is how the U.S. government is characterizing the location of the drone attack, saying only that it, quote, impacted at a base in northern Jordan, end quote. The U.S. military maintains secrets, secret bases in Jordan, as, as uh, Mr. Klipstein has previously reported, and refuses to ever mention the role they play in airstrikes that, again, Mr. Klipstein has reported, Uh, above and of other hostilities. Keeping the American public in the dark about their own government's foreign policy. So essentially, if you don't say that you have bases, how can you prove that the strikes came from us? Is is essentially what I'm reading from that. Uh, And the news media plays along with the charade refusing to name the host nations from which the U.S. forces are conducting those airstrikes in the region. Consider the New York Times' vague yet typical characterization of U.S. airstrikes in Yemen. Quote, Britain joined the United States in the attack against the Houthi targets as fighter jets from bases from bases in the region and off the aircraft carrier, the Dwight D. Eisenhower struck targets with precision-guided bombs, end quote. By withholding the names of the host nations, the Biden administration obscures from the public the now clear reality that Israel's war in Gaza is metastasizing into a regional war. So the Pentagon gets away with conducting a high prof- with, with conducting high-profile airstrikes from nowhere, yeah. constituting a foreign policy attributed to no one there you go so i look at that and what i what i see is this Corey. uh i see that the warmongers in the united states government they actually have learned their learned their lessons from the iraqi and afghan wars just don't tell the world where the bases are and you don't have to own the airstrikes that essentially come out of thin air. That's what I'm reading from this. They actually did learn something from those wars. They mm-hmm. learned how to how to basically conduct warfare without having to say to us that they're conducting warfare. Is that not how you read that? Absolutely. And this is just another example of uh, when the government gets bigger, it gets more and more ineffective because 
the ori- the original rule for America was if we go to war, Congress has to approve. Right? Right. But then I think it was under Truman first because it was the Korean War. Because what we ended up doing was we muddied that very black and white line with things like police action. This is a police action. This is a conflict. It's not a war because a conflict doesn't have to be approved by Congress. Mm -hmm. And then when things like that happened, instead of our government going, "Mm, nope, how about we just had a lot of soldiers die? How about no matter what, anytime boots go on the ground, it has to be approved by Congress. So instead, they started adding rules and and different like stipulations to it to where it's like well if the troops are on the ground in a certain area for less than let's say 180 days it's either like 90 days or 180 days or something like that that then they don't have to report it until like the 180th day so as long as these troops go in and out within 179 days it's fine and then another loophole they use is they don't bring in actual American soldiers. They'll bring in American citizens who are mercenaries or contractors. And because it's not the army on the ground, that is, we don't have to report it. And it's just insane to me how our government could just, you know, just literally put their foot down and go, enough of this. If troops are going over there, then it has to be approved by Congress that they try to add more and more and more and more rules to an already adequate rule to the point where now we just have bases all over the fucking place. Tower 22. That's what this base was called. You and I yep. never heard of fucking Tower 22 until some of my fellow Americans died there. And these guys who died, they weren't even like frontline soldiers. They were fucking forklift operators, essentially. I don't mean to downplay what they were. I don't don't mean to downplay what they do, but their infantry that they were a part of, they weren't forest gumping it, you know, climbing in rabbit holes. They weren't on the front lines. These were the people that were there to to build roads, fortify fences, build infrastructure, things like that. They were engineers, and we lost people who were in the military who had skill sets who didn't have to be on the front line. They were literally engineers and they got killed in a place that Congress didn't even know where the fuck they were or none of us knew. I'm yeah. Well, there's thousands of these bases around in other places, but then like bases, undisclosed bases, but they label them as outpost, a strategic position. Corey, shall I just read the next, uh, Ken Clifton yeah, piece. Yeah, on me, Dan. This, this is, one it's is just, it's this, just insane to me. This one is from last night, January thirtieth, uh, twenty twenty-four. As we sit here and read this on January thirty-first, three U.S. troop deaths in Jordan shrouded in secrecy. Uh, a cascade of secrets about the base, the mission, and the failure of anti-drone measures surrounded the deaths of three U.S. Army reservists in a drone attack Sunday. What would that have been? Uh, the 29th, 28th, something like that. Uh, on Tower 22 in northeastern Jordan. 
There are three lingering questions. The first question, what is Tower 22? And why is the first time we're hearing about it when American troops die there? Question number two, why is this seven, 718th engineer company even deployed in Jordan? And question number three, why weren't the 350 soldiers and airmen assigned to Tower 22 protected from the attack using widely available counter drone technology? So Tower 22, according to CENTCOM, which is the Pentagon's regional command for the middle for I'm sorry, for the Middle East calls they call tower 22 quote a logistics support base that is part of quote jordanian defense network conducting a number of key support functions including support to the coalition for the lasting defeat of isis what the fuck does that even mean i thought the isis war was over i thought isis was defeated so uh, Ken Clippenstein's article goes on to say Reuters ridiculously reports that the base, quote, holds a strategically important, end quote, location using the word strategic. Oh, I just think as we as. Which, which the <laughs> Pentagon loves to use. They love to use the word strategic. And the media also repeats to show gravitas. But if the base is strategically important, then why have we never heard of it? And as opposed to what? A non-strategic location? I love the way Ken Klippenstein writes sometimes. Uh, uh, CENTCOM also calls Tower 22 a quote-unquote base. But it does not appear in any Pentagon budget document or construction plan. Undoubtedly, if I called out Tower 22 before Sunday and called it a secret base, the Defense Department would have howled that it's not a base, uh, that it's just a facility or it's just a tactical outpost or a cooperative location or a contingency deployment or a deployed location or even part of the Jordanian Defense Network, which is what which is what it says uh, about this desert mirage which is to say that even in their forced explanations they're obscuring more than explaining we move on to the 718th engineer company the three army soldiers that were killed specialist brianna alexandria moffett 23 years old of savannah georgia uh sergeant william jerome rivers 46 of carlton uh, and Specialist Kennedy Layden Sanders, 24 years old, of Waycross, were all construction specialists sent to Tower 22 to expand it and other secret bases in the desert under the 718th Engineer Company. The company is assigned to the Army Reserve's 926th Engineer Battalion of the 926th Engineer Brigade headquartered at Fort Moore, formerly known as Fort Benning, in southwest Georgia. 718th, the Army says, is an Army Early Response Force responsible for road and perimeter building. Why do they need to build more shit there if they're not an actual base? Uh, a That wasn't Ken Klippenstein. That was me. Uh, a look at, by Dan Griffin. <laughs> a, a, look, a look at the satellite photographs of the base taken in the past few years show how the engineers have improved the facility 
adding a short runway for helicopters and drones, making the base more permanent. But why now? Why, since the quote-unquote defeat of ISIS, is the Biden administration upgrading this and other bases throughout the region? Well, CENTCOM says the mission of Tower 22 is including support for the ISIS war, but it is really focused on the so-called Iran-backed militias, which are not anti-ISIS. In fact, 718th is assigned to Task Force Spartan, which is a multi-country entity supporting Operation Spartan Shield, which is the anti-Iran ground contingency force that is otherwise described as, quote-unquote, as a, quote-unquote, cooperative training partner. Headquartered at Camp, I can't pronounce this word, Arifian in Kuwait, Spartan Shield has soldiers deployed from Jordan and Iraq in the north to the UAE, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and Oman in the south. If you've never heard of Spartan Shield, you're not alone. It is one of the half dozen, quote-unquote, operations taking place right now in the Middle East. Those include Operation Enduring Freedom, Inherent Resolve, Poseidon Archer, Prosperity Guardian, NATO Mission Iraq, Sea Guardian, Safe Haven, whatever the operation supporting Israel is called, and various other secret spectral operations. Think that Spartan Shield is, uh, is static? Just in the past six months, Spartan Shield has hosted war games with its various quote-unquote partners, including Arabian Gulf Firing Drill 2023G, Eagle Resolve, Iron Union, Al-Adhid 23, Live live Fire Exercise Al-Tarir, Emergency Deployment Response Exercise, uh, High Mobility Artillery Rocket System Rapid Infiltration Exercise, Crisis Response Task Force Training, and Combined Arms Live Fire Exercise. Quite a spectacle to her, to Tehran. Yeah, imagine all of these things going on in your backyard, people. Imagine if you're Iran and all of these things are taking place right next door. That Again, that was me. That was not Ken Klippenstein. I'll continue. Uh, but, but don't ever call them, quote-unquote, U.S.-backed Jordan or, quote-unquote, U.S.-backed Kuwait or, quote-unquote, U.S.-backed Israel, for the Pentagon wordsmiths would complain. Now we move on to countering the drone. The Pentagon was, <laughs> the Pentagon was quick to leak the attack on Tower 22 as a result of, quote-unquote, confusion as a U.S. drone was operating around the base and defenders mistook the attack drone for the American one. Some some in the news media report this as a fact, even though no investigation has been concluded, and the excuse just begs the question, why build a base in the middle of nowhere and fill it with 350 people and not defend it? 350 engineers. Exactly. Especially after there have been so many attacks on facilities since October. I'm gonna I'm gonna install the seventh after October. That is not in Ken Klippenstein's article. Uh, wouldn't that be a priority? Uh, the army and the other military service services are spending hundreds of millions of dollars on quote unquote, counter unmanned aerial systems to face the very new capability. One that has demonstrated in both the Hamas war and Ukraine, 
Wouldn't protecting this outpost be a priority? I think that's a perfectly reasonable question, Ken. I'll move on. The Facebook and Instagram pages of Task Force Spartan are filled with pictures of counter-drone hardware in the desert. The task force even conducted Red Sands 23.2 in Saudi Arabia late last year. A live fire, a, a live fire counter UAS, which military speak stands for just counter drone exercise at the Shamal 2 range. Counter UAS is a bonanza for the defense industry, and the gizmos are being demonstrated to quote unquote partners to find buyers. But for protecting soldiers sleeping in the primitive container housing, not such a big, not such a big priority. And that's it. Uh, Dan, all I got to say is, is why is Iran keep putting their country so close to our so bases? close to our military bases, dude. I don't know, man. It's crazy. China does the same thing. Why do they put their fucking country so close to our military bases? So close to our bases. I think that's actually a Mike Metzger joke, but it's uh, a good Kurt one. Metzger? He's uh, Kurt Metzger? Kurt Metzger. It's, yeah, it's no, a Jimmy Dore Kirk Metzger joke. Yeah, why why do you put your why do you put your country so close to our military bases? Like this is this is this is this is not that hard to figure out. Number one, the uh the folks that the same folks that got in trouble for exposing the Iraq and Afghan war, they learned their lesson. They figured it out. All we have to do is just is not talk just, about it not report our bases, not let anybody know where these airstrikes against the Houthis and other people are coming from. And what that also does, Corey, is now that you actually have a drone attack on a U.S. base in Jordan, now, because nobody knows that this base existed before, now guess what you get to do? You get to paint Iran as the aggressor. Isn't that interesting how you get to do that? I know. It's like, it's interesting how they have this base close to Iran. And then... uh don't protect it. And then our soldiers get killed. And then we get to be like, oh, huh. mm-hmm. clutch your pearls. How could they kill our people? Like at the same time, it does suck because these Absolutely. are, I feel terrible for the soldiers and their families. And like, they, like they were, they were used, they were, they were engineers used as a, essentially thrown out as cannon fodder here, go build this secret base that nobody's going to know about. Because we can't let the American people or the West know that it's there because it makes us fucking look bad. And then they, and then they get bombed by a drone. And now we're supposed to go, wow, those terrible fucking horrible brown people in the Middle East. Wow, those they're they're just so terrible for 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 the blowback that 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 comes against us. It's not and then you got that it's fucking doofus fucking Lindsey Graham. In the court, right or in uh in hearings mm-hmm. right now, clutching yeah. his pearls, uh, crying about the children and oh my god, because kids are using social media when they all tell these kids to be like thirteen to sixteen or whatever, and parents don't give a shit and let their kids create an account on there when they're under that age, and then they're buying drugs or be or talking to adults about like gross shit and. Lindsey Graham's in there telling these people who are in charge of these companies, you have blood on your hands in one breath. And then the next breath, he's like, we need to go to war with Iran. You want me to give the exact quote? He goes, hit Iran now, hit them hard. Yeah. But, but, but the social media, the, 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 the heads of social media companies have blood on their hands because kids are killing themselves because they're getting bullied. 
but he's okay with getting blood on his hands to start some bullshit war. A hundred percent. He's a piece of shit. With a country that doesn't like us because we initially, damn near almost 70 years years ago now, instituted a coup in. You also have Tom Cotton coming out and saying that Joe Biden is a coward unfit for office if he doesn't strike against Iran. (laughs) That's what makes him unfit. Yeah, Joe Biden is unfit for office, but not not because not because he's he he, he refuses to strike against <laughs> because he refuses to start World War Three. That's what makes him unfit, Dan. That's what makes him unfit for office. That is a and like no like the, <laughs> the the end of the Klippenstein article absolutely fucking sums it all up. Like the, these anti drone measures are great for whoever's making them, whether it, whether it's Raytheon or, or Lockheed Martin or whomever it is, I'm assuming Boeing's probably involved because they're it's anti-drone. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate on that, but they're all piece of shit companies that are in bed with the U.S. government because who buys this stuff? The U.S. government buys it. They go over and they sell it to other nations or they, you know, they give it away and then just steal the money from us to fucking pay for it via taxes. And so, yeah, that that anti-drone stuff is something that all these folks seem to want to buy all these other countries seem to want to buy these governments or whomever it is but it's not good enough to put it in place to save the 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 american men and women that you sent to this base that supposedly doesn't exist to build it we can't have it there to protect them and and you wonder why people like you and me and others are f- fucking hate the military. I have no issue with those people over there that did those things and thought that they were doing something good. And what happened to them? They got their fucking heads blown off by an Iranian drone or a, an Iranian. And all they were there drone. to do was build base <laughs> to, to build roads and things like that. Yeah. It's absolutely insane to me. And it's insane to me that like we constantly put soldiers in harm's way in absolute bullshit. And you know, and like, like, and it doesn't matter, like, and it's funny, right? Like, the only one who was actually, like, trying to avoid this shit in our entire existence of life, the only one who didn't start a war was Donald Trump. Not from trying. He didn't, he didn't start one. He also didn't end any, but... Yeah, he, you know. yeah, he kept talking. He said, I'm going to bring the troops home from Afghanistan. And then, <laughs> then he did it, and then he made a plan with the Taliban, like a promise to do it, and then Biden kind of cut caught doing it and then that was a fiasco and if only Dude, we could I, read I the mean, leave, tea leaves because go I, ahead. I, I, don't, I don't really want to get into it but like I, I don't really have any faith that like Donald Trump would be any better on the Israel issue I feel like as far as like f- Middle East foreign policy we'd probably still be in the same place we are right now doesn't really it'd be matter similar. It'd, it'd yeah be because similar. you know you Raytheon and Boeing and all of them have really deep pockets. They figure out yeah, a way to get yeah. us into a war. They, that's that's their only goal. It's their, absolutely their only goal. That's true. Anyway, um, do you do you do you have anything else you want to close this out with? The no. um, uh, Josh uh, threw in doesn't like Joe Biden. Fuck Joe Biden. Doesn't like Joe. Doesn't like Joe Biden. I agree with him. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't like. Does Joe that Biden. mean you love Donald Trump, Corey? You said fuck Joe Biden. Does that mean you love Donald no, I'll Trump? I'll say fuck Donald Trump too. Like we need libertarians. Like we need we need someone to take all the toys away because it's bullshit. They both Donald Trump, both Biden expanded the government. Both of them 
are trying to use the government as a tool to go after people they don't like. Both of them are superseding the Constitution by expanding the powers of the presidency, trying to make it like a kingmanship. I could go on and on and on. Both of them, uh, it's almost a 50-50% shot on who, uh, which one also put trillions of dollars into the economy that created inflation. Like it's every yeah. every pre- every president essentially for the last hundred years has grown the size and scope of government, and that include. I'm sorry, Trump people. That includes Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. That includes Donald Trump. That includes Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. It's all bad. Anyway, in fact, uh, one of the main had- reasons why you see mass censorship on uh, on social media and stuff is because Trump's the first one that kicked the dust up by trying to repeal Section 230. So there we are. Uh, do you do you want to close out these uh, this uh, uh, troops attacked in Jordan conversation? Uh, I think we covered it pretty well. I think we're going to keep an eye on it. Read Ken Klippenstein. Uh, on Substack, he's fantastic on this kind of stuff. Do you have anything else you wanted to say, or should we move on? I say we move on. The legacy media collapse. This one's a little bit more of a fun topic. Here's how much we care. Not at all. And actually, we kind of love it. So, uh, um, what's her nuts? That dirty, dumb... Taylor Lorenz. Yeah, I shouldn't say mean words. Uh, Taylor yeah, Lorenz she'll, came she'll out dox with a, you. With, yeah, she will. Oh, God, she'll I think I think I would appreciate it. I think it would, it would help build our brand if we were doxed by Taylor Lorenz of the <laughs> just two nobodies in <laughs> Metro <laughs> so, Detroit <laughs> just talking <laughs> shit. He's like, these two white men, they're terrible human beings. So, um, Taylor they're Lorenz fashion. made a video. T- Taylor Lorenz made a video. That absolutely, she she's absolutely right, actually, in a lot of it, which is that the legacy media is fucking dying. Do you have the video, um, by chance? I do have the video. I am about to play it. Okay, um, sorry. The Sports Illustrated is dead. The the LA Times is laying off basically everybody. Um, and it's there's a, there are reasons for this that she doesn't exactly explain well. I'm gonna just go ahead. I'm gonna just go ahead and play the video. Uh, where are you? Here we are. The journalism industry is in a death spiral, according to Taylor Lorenz. Here we go. Industry is basically in a free fall. Today, the Los Angeles Times laid off 115 employees. They wiped out their entire DC bureau in an election year. They laid off pretty much all of their sports teams. They killed their entire tech and business section. They laid off breaking news writers, social media editors. The list goes on. But what's really dark is this is just the latest in months and months and months of layoffs in the media industry. In fact, tens of thousands of journalists have been laid off in the past year. Major media companies like Buzz feed news have completely shuttered their news operations time magazine also just laid off a ton of people and oh sports illustrated basically shut down last week pretty much the entire digital media ecosystem that myself and a lot of other millennial journalists came up in has been completely hollowed out and it's not just digital media sites local news has been obliterated the newspaper industry is cratering radio is essentially dead aside from npr which has been gutted meanwhile hundreds of workers at Condé nast the parent company of pretty much every major magazine from GQ to Vogue to The New Yorker to Vanity Fair are on strike because they're also facing impending layoffs. Even 
mainstream national media outlets owned by billionaires like the Washington Post, where I work, and the Atlantic, where I used to work, have done layoffs. If you're a young journalist today, there's almost no on-ramp to traditional journalism. Even if- I'm going to just pause it right there. Why in the fuck would anybody want to get on the on-ramp to traditional journalism knowing what we know, Corey Walsh? Well, so uh, that part, like, so when she says that there's no on-ramp to traditional journalism, I disagree with her because of the fact that Substack is booming. Being a journalist, I could literally just go downtown and just start interviewing people. Like, that's oh, what but that's journalism not traditional is. journalism. You're not going to work for the New York Times. Yeah, yeah. Not no, going she's, to the LA Times. She's convoluting traditional journalism with working for one of these big brand mainstream media outlets. Traditional journalism is, you know, like Charlie Duff, his name is tarnished, but like the work he did before his incident, that's traditional journalism. Um, who's the guy who went to Kalamazoo? Uh, so, okay. So hold on. So it doesn't even matter. So what you're saying is Jordan, Harbinger. Uh, not Jordan, Harbinger, Jordan Sheridan, Jordan um, Sheridan. Yeah. So what you're what so what you're saying is that like what she's describing is is that the that these legacy media companies have actually abandoned traditional journalism because they don't fucking do journalism anymore. Right. None of them do journalism. Like if you read the book Hey Inc. by Matt Taibbi, if you read the book Hey Inc. by Matt Taibbi, traditional journalism used to be like a low paying job, a dirty and gritty guy going down alleys, trying to get a scoop, trying to go and get the, trying to go and get the next story, hanging out in dockside bars and smoky and smoky side rooms and things like that. And then traditional journalism turned into hobnobbing with the elitists and hanging out with the politicians and things like that. Her idea of traditional journalism is wrong. Yes. And the answer yes. to that That's is exactly right. Yes, and, I'm and nobody okay with wants that. to get on that ramp. Nobody wants. So but I understand thing, your point now. Yeah. But one thing that does scare me is the fact that we have a lot of people in podcasting, and a lot of people like us, and a lot of people who are like acting. I feel like some of them are acting a little high on the hog, you know, uh, on the idea that like, oh no, these main these mainstream people are dying and things like that, but. If we do lose independent, because we're all getting our source feed for our news outlets that we take, we digest, and then we turn around and share, is based on the work of people who are putting you know their feet to the pavement and going and doing Absolutely. this. And if that does die out, eventually our well of people like us who are just doing commentary on it does dry yeah. up. And that is concerning. But I don't know if that actually happens. Bro. I just read two great pieces by Ken Klippenstein and you're trying to tell me that's going to die. I don't think so. Right. Yeah, no, and you're right. And it's probably not, it's going to be different. It's going to go, it's, it's taking a different form. And what I think she's pissed off as she talks about coming up in the millennial thing, she came up at being a millennial. She came up becoming a journalist in the era of where everyone had a desktop. She's a blogger. Like, right. Like that yeah, blogging is dead now. Blogging is vlogging now. Not like it went from B L O G G I N I N G to V L O G G I N G. Like like people still sharing their 
information is still there. It's just in video form now and, and the forms of YouTube and TikTok and Instagram. She gets into that. Shall we can shall we continue? She gets into and, that. And she sure she does. But what I'm saying is it sounds like she caught she missed the next train and now she's just upset about it. Just like the legacy media who refused to embrace TMNet. Just like how, yeah, and legacy media is upset they didn't keep up with the times. She's upset she didn't keep up with the times. Let's Things, all these different is. websites she mentions in the beginning, like, yeah, she's right, they're dying, but that's just not that's just not what we're doing anymore. Let's see what else this pod person has to say. And let me there just preface this by saying for people that don't know my background, I did not go to journalism school. I built my own audience on the internet. I came from outside journalism and started as a blogger and then entered into legacy journalism, a system that I have been incredibly, incredibly critical of pretty much my entire career. So I'm definitely not oh, okay. some mainstream media defender. And I think oh, the rise okay. of citizen journalism on apps like TikTok, Instagram, and elsewhere has overwhelmingly been a positive thing. The journalism industry is overrun with elite underqualified. Go. Nepo babies, okay, and that part of it is terrible. But that's not most journalists, and the majority of journalists losing their jobs in situations like this are the working journalists that are doing these investigations of police brutality, or investigating corporations, or holding power to account, or doing really thoughtful, brilliant cultural commentary. I don't want to live in a world where all of the news is delivered through sixty-second TikTok videos with retention editing. And I think so. Can I just say this? If if okay, so let's just take Taylor at her word here that the the folks that are losing their jobs are the folks going out and doing good journalism. Why is that not the journalism that is pushed by the publications that hired them? Right. Because if it was, more people would read it. And the other part of this is nobody trusts the publications that you work for anymore. Because you lied to us so fucking often. you I mean, I'll just go back to what I remember, which is the Iraq war. It started with the Iraq war. Then you yeah. had then th th you know, then you, you you had Afghanistan. you had, I mean, I, I can't even think of all the things that are are popping into my head right now, but you had Afghanistan. you had um uh, you had obviously the covid lies were were some of the biggest ones. And then you sit there and you go, these these journalists are are fucked over because I don't know why got, no one trusts these outlets anymore. Yeah, they they got like maybe they really are doing great journalism, Corey. Like they really might be, but nobody's gonna read it because of the fucking name of the publication at the top of the fucking headline because of all the lies that were told. Does that right. not make sense to you? No, it makes complete sense. All right, I'll continue. I think there's a ton of really talented journalists that are also just not great like social media people. I think of some of my friends who are journalists who do really deep investigations or local reporting or sit through hour-long city council meetings to, you know, hold some local politician to account. That's really important work and it's work that somebody should pay for and it's work that's not I actually agree with that. social media. Yeah, algorithms. that part I do agree with. I would with. love if everyone could become independent journalists, but the economics are just not there. It's they really, are there. really hard to amass a subscriber base and then retain that subscriber base over time when you're doing... I'll pause. You had something to say. They are there because we're no, doing they are right there. now. And yeah. we're not journalists. We're commentators, but still. Yeah. Is that all you had to say? <laughs> no, yeah, no, no. They are there. Like You got Substack. You know, uh, 
Twitter is starting to try to create to roll out their own thing similar to Substack, you know, and like people have blo- like everyone is just independently has to do their own work. We're watching the pillars that are holding up this tower fall apart. Uh, we're watching people independently rebuild it in their own means. Like, look at like for example, hold Breaking on, Corey. Point. This Corey, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. So, Cor- so, Cor- so Corey Klobnak says every time she says something to agree with, she discredits herself in the very next sentence. He basically took the words out of my mouth. I feel <laughs> exactly the same way. I feel exactly yeah. the same way. Thank you for the comment, Corey. Anyway, what were you saying? Did- yeah, no, we're, we're we're seeing the the uh, everything reshuffle, right? Like, for example, look at Breaking Points. Breaking Points is independent journalism, and they bring in. And they have this little hub that they bring in other independent journalists like uh, Jordan Sheridan. They bring in people like that. Like they're at this point now where they're doing fucking focus groups. You know what I mean? And they didn't have any corporate backers. They didn't have any big money. They do it on a subscriber base of people who want to hear this. They they took a big chance going independent, but they... And actually, I will. I actually will defend legacy media in this way because breaking points came from the hill. They built their audience through legacy media. Realized they had a big enough audience to where they could leave what the legacy media was doing and do it on their own. So that actually is a little bit of a defense for legacy media. And in some ways, I and I cannot, I think I've demonstrated, I cannot stand Taylor Lorenz. I have my reasons for that, which we'll get into maybe. Um, she makes some decent points during this, but she is absolutely so lost and lose it, completely losing the plot on the reasons for why the legacy media is in the place that it is. Right. I'll continue the video. Here we go. You're doing investigative over. work. And that's if you don't get sued out of existence, by the way, after you publish the first critical story of a billionaire. And I will admit, a lot of these traditional media companies have accelerated their own demise. They ignored the internet for years. They're condescending right. to content right. creators and people outside their mainstream ecosystem. She's right. They constantly kowtow to corporate and political power. She's they right. Have these false and deluded notions of objectivity, which, by the way, doesn't exist. Yes, and it does. They push it a exists. lot of really racist, sexist, regressive crap. But that's not even why a lot of them are going out of business. A lot of them are going out of business fundamentally because the economics of the media ecosystem are broken. Most news companies... No! They're going out of business because they told us lies for 40 fucking years, you... Oh, God, I don't want to say the words. Anyway. Companies used to monetize by advertising, and those ad dollars have been completely subsumed by Facebook and Google and tech giants. I don't really know where that leads us other than a pretty dire place where there's really no check on corporate and political power in this country. I did write a lot of... What are you talking about? Yeah, there's still a lot of check on corporate power because <laughs> the legacy media doesn't check on it. Like, People I love I love where I paused it, it by the way. Like it's, it's, it reminds she, me of like on, the Corey, Atlantic. She looks she looks like she's about to like that microphone's about to explode all over her face in like a really sexual way. Jesus Christ, that is very misogynistic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like I wasn't the only one who noticed that. If you're just listening, <laughs> go check out the YouTube video. Um but uh oh I lost my train of thought. I was gonna say what was I gonna say? What were you gonna say, Corey? I don't know. Let me let me uh try to maybe if I play the dead space. Maybe and- if I 
Maybe if I play the last six seconds of this video. About this in my book called Extremely Online. But I do. Think oh, so at the end, she's just trying to sell her fucking book. Fuck you, Taylor Lorenz. Fuck you. Fuck the horse you rode in on. I can't stand you. Well, you wrote. tried to dox people. You had a microphone explode all over your face during our show. We didn't add any flashy. She, uh... Dude, that's the thing. Like, she's, she's right about so much stuff. She's right about so many things during that video, but she doesn't understand the reasons why she's right. Like when she yeah, talks about, yeah, people are leaving the media you're talking about because the media that you're talking about is tarnished because that media it's based it's on captured. Like, the information that someone is spewing is based on trust. It's like and, Michael Malice. It's like Michael Malice always says: the legacy media is. Uh, uh, factual, but not truthful. Yeah, they lie by omission. And, and the American people, the, every, we all see it. We all know it. That's why the legacy media is dying. Like, does CNN give you facts? Yeah, they give you facts. Are they truthful? No, they lie by omission. They leave things out. Yeah. Fox News the same way. I'm not just going to pick on the liberals. Oh, yeah. The, the conservative. My favorite, my favorite example of that is Ben Shapiro. <laughs> he lies by omission all the time. He's he's our biggest fan. Oh, he's a rapper now, Dan. Mm. That's right. He absolutely is. Which just sounds like an AI version of his voice rapping because you can't hear any breath. Well, that's you, that's just how Ben Shapiro talks. Yeah, you, but when you're you like think, when you're singing, you ever consider he just has bars? Oh yeah, he's got bars. He's got <laughs> bars for not just for that. days, not just for days, Bell. He's got bars for weeks. It, so, it literally sounds like someone did an AI creation with his voice because like there is no point when he's like saying the like saying his bars that like you know when you're talking and like you when you're saying things, your voice does a different like pitch or whatever, like as you're running out of breath, like I am right now. Like I didn't take a breath. So like I'm trying to push my words out to finish this sentence. You got to open up your nasal and then, you, and then you hear my breath. The reason why you can tell the Kanye West AI songs are AI or the Beatles AI songs are AI is because there's no, there's no pauses. There's no trailing of the breath running out or the inhale, like in the audio and Ben Shapiro's like feature on that song does the exact same thing. Like, because then right after you hear Tom McDonald rapping and you hear it in his voice before and after in the chorus in his, in his, uh, verses, all of that. But when Ben Shapiro does it, it just doesn't, it sounds robotic. So I have a conspiracy that he didn't actually rap that, but it was AI. I, it reminded me, you guys ever watched the epic rap battles of history? Yeah. That's, That's what, what it that sounded like going back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. That was number one on iTunes. I get a little tension on Bench if you're rapping. Yeah, you know, like you know me, I like I like music. We're, su we're supposed to uh we're supposed to believe that uh <coughs> we're supposed to believe Taylor Lorenz when she talks about the collapse of legacy media. This woman who doxed people. Like she's part of it, and she doesn't even realize that she's part of the collapse of legacy media. Yeah. She docks the libs of TikTok lady 
you know, it turns out that, you know, it, I guess it turns out that when you put out a shitty product, you lose business you and, you like fucking, it. and you fucking fold. And that's exactly uh, what happened here. Imagine, like, uh, I guess, imagine, imagine opening up, opening a burger joint and serving nothing but chicken sandwiches and then continuing to claim that you serve the best burgers in town and, and doing, doing all of this for, 20 years while somehow still staying afloat and staying in business and then making a video blaming real burger joints for putting you under. Yeah. That's what this, that's what this video was. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's yeah. Like it's, it's just the media is still there. The mode that it's delivered to people changed. And there's probably really like there's probably really good journalists that are going to be forced to leave these places. And if, if if I could speak to those journalists for a second, start a Substack, go out, talk to Matt Taibbi, talk to or do it yourself. Talk to Ken Klippenstein. Talk to people at the Intercept. Talk to you know, like like talk to these these I guess what what would be considered by the legacy media these underling. Um, organizations that that do real reporting and like if you if you really feel that strongly about your journalistic prowess and i believe you're probably there I believe those people are probably in these places get away from this shit this this might honestly honestly if you're a really good journalist if you're really good at what you do and you believe in yourself and you love what you do this might be the best thing that's ever happened to you mm-hmm Go out and make it happen. We'll talk to you. We'll spread your message if you've got something real to say. Yeah, no, like, that's just it. Like, I love real journalism. There's a... Uh, Not people that run around and ask Vivek Ramaswamy if he'll uh, denounce white supremacy. Right. It's just lazy. It's just stupid. It's just like, you know, I don't know. That makes, I guess that probably makes me a white supremacist in some way. So, you piece of shit. Uh, Texas versus the U.S. government 2.0. Corey, you got this one. You want to set this up while I take a leak? I guess. I just can't. I always have to take a leak. I know. I'll be back in less than two minutes. The current issue on the order uh, between Texas and the federal government is about the border security and immigration enforcement at the U.S. Mexico border. Texas has deployed razor wire and the state troopers to block uh, and state troopers to block the access of federal agents to some parts of the border, claiming that that the Biden administration is failing to protect the border from illegal crossings. The federal government has sued Texas, arguing that the state is interfering with its constitutional authority to regulate the border. The Supreme Court has ordered Texas to allow federal agents to the border, but Texas has refused to comply and has asked for proof of federal authority. So basically right now, Texas is like thinking that the federal government is inept. And so they are trying to do everything that they can down at the border to fucking stop it. And the federal government is like, no, 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 you can't. And so to sum it like in a comical way to sum it up, basically is Texas is laying out razor wire and then the federal government is coming in and cutting it. And then behind them, the, Texas government is laying more laying down more razor wire. Um 
Oh man, these notes didn't refresh because I had way more notes on this. Here it is right here, actually. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. One second. Oh God. Ah! Don't panic. Oh, I'm man. back. All my notes got deleted, Dan. I <laughs> should, should check that before you started the show. Oh man, no. Where the fuck did they go? Oh, this is sad. This That's is terrible. Right. That's right. Don't worry. Um, about it. it's, it's a, so essentially what you're saying is it's a it's a war between Texas and the federal government, which I think is fantastic because, because we've already gone through this once in uh in in US history. And uh, it's so interesting because like just in the last couple of days, you can see the Biden administration kind of pivoting on border security. Have you noticed this? Have you been like, have you been taking in, I guess, quote unquote, legacy media over the last couple of days? Right. Um, the Biden administration is pivoting on this because it's an election year. So they need to make it look like they're doing something. And also, uh, it's been it's been an issue of quote-unquote Republicans blocking things, which is what both parties do, right? Like, let's just pretend Trump were in office right now and there was an issue at the border. It wouldn't... I, I firmly believe this. As much as I hate Donald Trump, I firmly believe the problem at the border would not be as bad. You can probably... You can take that however you want and put it in whatever context that you want, but it would be bad enough to where Democrats could come around and say, oh, Donald Trump also isn't doing anything at the border. And he would be doing the same thing. He would be pivoting in some way. So I'm not trying to pretend like this is some Biden administration extravaganza. However, I do find it interesting that all of a sudden, all over legacy media, all you see is there's this this push to get some sort of bill, whether it's tied to Ukraine aid or not, pushed to fix issues at the border. Isn't that interesting as we sit here basically yeah, February of 2024? And it's really funny because uh, like uh, right now, Biden is kind of picking up. So now I got to do all this by memory. But Biden is kind of picking up some of uh, Trump's border policy stuff. And like as of January 7th, even the AP is reporting that the USC is dropping illegal border crossings after Mexico, Mexico increases enforcement. They're working with Mexico, and Mexico is stopping illegals coming through Mexico at their southern border. And they're sending them back to their their uh, countries and stuff like that. Um, their southern border is far, far thinner. <laughs> yeah, just like just geographically. <laughs> but yeah, so it's interesting what's happening down there, though, because 25 states have have uh, expressed their support for Texas and its border dispute with the federal government. And these states are mostly led by Republican governors who share Texas's concerns about the border. Look, I get it. We talked about it last week. Like I'm, I'm super, I'm super pro immigrant. Right. But I think I'm super pro immigration. Right. But I, th I, I also think that uh, immigration is like a fucking water faucet, dude. If you leave it on all day, you're going to flood your fucking house. Yeah, you got to you got to turn the water off, right? You got to turn the water down. Immigrants are good for they're they're good for um uh the economy and, and all of that. But oh, no, 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 no. Just say what Chuck Schumer says. Say what Chuck Schumer says. They're good for just, picking uh, pick doing the jobs 
like pick nobody fruit, else wants to what, do. Yeah, he said something along <laughs> that. I mean, there's there's some truth to that, right? Like there is right. some truth to the fact that like a migrant worker is a lot more willing to come over here and work for you know ten dollars an hour doing fucking hard labor. But like, it it's to me like I I guess I would say this: it's simple, but it's not simple. It's simple on paper. You make the access points lower, which of of course is going to involve maybe not a wall, but some sort of uh, barricade. But what you also need to do if you're going to build a wall-like structure to keep the people from coming over the border just willy-nilly, you need to spend the money to open up more legal access points and make it easier for these people to get in this country legally to work. I, right. I, I don't want to reiterate everything that we said last week, but like, yeah, you like, I I want more people in the United States. We, our birth rates are down. Everything, every economic metric says that when your birth rates start to fall, your economy starts to fall. And the only way to supplement your birth rates falling is with immigration. Like immigration is good. And that's what I think gets conflated all the time when we have these discussions. These are the, the that's the thing that gets inflated. Oh, so you're pro open borders. I don't think that's what I fucking said. What I said was immigration is good. But yeah, it's like a water faucet. You got to turn it down a little bit sometimes. You got to do it like they did at Ellis Island. You got to lift their eyes up. You got to check their teeth, make sure they don't got any diseases. And then you let them in. So, yeah, it's. But uh, I I just and I definitely botched it because I don't know where my notes went. But basically, that's all right. I'm actually kind of in support of Texas here. Like, I uh, well, when it comes to states rights, absolutely. Like, yeah, no, like. Who the hell is the federal government to tell people who live on the border what they're supposed to do with their property? Like you hear all of these stories of rain. Like right now there's a story in Arizona. There's a rancher facing a murder charge because illegals came across his border. And now he claims that he heard a shot and he went out there and then people fled. And then there was a body on his property. But then other people are saying that he shot an illegal immigrant that trespassed on his property. And it's like, either way, if we're at the point where someone has private property and a bunch of people are flooding from another country onto his property and he feels threatened and now he's being charged with someone from a foreign country invading his personal property, that all, that right away sounds like kind of weird, right? And But... If we're at that point, then something probably should be done. Our access points of entrance are obviously overrun to the point where we can't even do anything about it. They seem like they're all paralyzed or they can't do shit. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's that's uh, it's just insane to me how this is the point where we're at. We're now people are calling talking about a civil war, which this isn't the like at the same time, like chill out. This isn't the first time Texas. <laughs> this isn't the first time Texas stood against the federal government. Like, remember, it was under Obama, I think it was with uh, what was it? But it was federal eight. It was federal. It was the army and the national guard. I remember seeing videos of it. It was on a bridge. Hey, Bell, if you can look up uh, um, what the standoff was with the federal government in Texas under Obama, there was something. I remember there. They're on a bridge something happened, but there were Americans uh, or Texans 
something happened. <laughs> I forget what it was, but it was like significant. But I remember seeing the footage. I can see Go it vividly. Fuck yourself. Of uh, that's what Texas said. That's what Texas always says. Yeah, so they're like, come and get. Are you talking about the standoff? Uh, Are you no, talking about uh, the Bundy Farm standoff? Not the Bundy Farm standoff. It was. It might have been. Uh, I don't know if it was that, but it was something in Texas. But like the National Guard. The Texas National Guard and the Army, there was an actual stuff. <laughs> but anyways. Thank you, Elon. <laughs> I'll take a look. Uh, but anyways, but anyways, it just it cracks me up that like I wanna I want to uh to pivot a little bit and discuss the idea that that like that uh that Republicans are using that like Democrats want this to happen because they want to change the census in their states so they get more representatives. Well, dude, no, and then like to, just to piggyback on that, like it goes the other way around too, right? Because uh um you have Republicans, so you have Republicans saying that they want to boost their census numbers or whatever, but then you also have Democrats saying that um that 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 it's republicans that are blocking any sort of legislation that could keep the immigrants from coming in because you well they just can't work with democrats and honestly both are probably true because well, both of these parties are fucking full of shit right know and so i'll get to that in a second if i remember to after i say this but what cracks me up about it is when you look at all the polling time and time again you're seeing more and more immigrants from mexico and cuba venezuela and all of them leaning way more right and embracing like the Republican ideology versus the Democrat ideology, right? Like we see that in all the polls. Because they're leaving socialist countries that they hate. Right. So like yes. and then and then so that is one the first like, you know, nick in the armor for the whole argument that Democrats want them in here. The second part of that is that I think that that they might though, they might, they just might be misguided. Well, no, no, they're not because what is happening in all the sanctuary cities are democratically run. They're all trying to kick the immigrants out. Texas governor deploy Texas governor deploys state guard to stave off Obama takeover. Uh and it's uh it's all politics. Bell set this over. Uh I don't know what this is for though. He just sent me the article. But I think that's what I'm talking about because yeah, they deployed the they deployed the too long, did not read. <laughs> the, um let me yeah, let me see if I can find a synopsis of it. Uh it was still yeah, good. It was still good. If you can Bell, still Greg, find like that's Greg Abbott, isn't it? Like he, how long has he been governor of Texas? Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was. It was the I think he became governor like when Obama was president. Like this happened like right away. But uh, but yeah, so that's what I'm saying. This isn't the first time this has happened. But the idea that Democrats are trying to bring them in to to make it so they have more voters is obviously false. Because when these people are showing up into their districts, <laughs> they're trying to kick them out. <laughs> and like immigrate, you know what I mean? Like what the uh, uh, mayor Adams in uh, New York is like, oh, they're going to destroy our state or destroy our city. Yeah, it's there's yeah, it's just too much. Anyway, yeah, I had. A okay, shit ton we're going to keep an eye on this. 
We're, uh, I understand. You 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 failed. Your your it. computer your computer burp, burped on you. It's okay. We've all been through this. You blew it. My computer burp. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on this, and uh, I guess it actually gives us an opportunity to get get into uh, government. Big government uh, keeps the homeless hungry. This is a, we can talk about this real quick because I know we're getting a little long in the tooth here, but it's a pretty simple story that's been going on now for actually a while. This is not a new story, but I don't know that everybody knows about it. Uh, it it's essentially a zoning violation by big government that keeps a an organization from just fucking feeding homeless people. Corey is hacking up a lung over. Yeah, there. I don't know where this came from. My computer's fucking with me. I'm pissed. All right. So good I have night, two everybody. examples. Yeah, good night. I'm out of here. <laughs> so I have two stories here of how individuals are trying to use their personal liberties to help enhance the personal liberties of other individuals in our country. And it basically just comes down to giving them food (laughs) giving other giving other americans food what an awful thing to do and big daddy government (laughs) is like no 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 you can't do that so first off i'm gonna talk about food not bombs in houston and so food not bombs is a volunteer group that has been feeding the homeless in houston which is in texas obviously speaking of tejas They've been doing it for more than a decade. However, they have been facing legal troubles since March 2023 when the city started enforcing an ordinance that bans people from feeding more than five people on public or private property without permission from the property owners. The group has received nearly 90 citations from the Houston Police Department for violating the ordinance, each carrying a fine of up to $2,000. The group has refused to relocate to a designated location outside a police station, saying it would make it harder for homeless people to access their services. They have also filed a lawsuit against the city and its officials, claiming that they have violated their right to free free exercise of religion and freedom of speech. The group's, the group's case has drawn attention and support from civil rights activists and social media users. So this this organization has been just going around Houston feeding homeless people and getting fined for doing so. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just for the, the crime of feeding homeless people. What they're, what assholes. Just yeah, real pieces assholes. of shit. But that's, that's, that's like one of those things where like, you know, you know, like you always have like, like a, a certain contingent, I would say, cause I don't, I'm not, I don't get mad at all conservatives, but like, a certain contingent of the homeless community of like, well, you shouldn't have broke the law. If you didn't break the law, you wouldn't be in trouble. You wouldn't be in jail. You wouldn't have gotten the fine. Well, this goes down to basically that legality and morality don't always equate. Right. If a law is unjust, you are you are obligated to break it. Which founding father was that? One of the founding fathers said that. Hey, Bell, find that out real quick. Yeah. If a law is unjust, you are obligated to break it or something of that ilk. It's something like that. You want but you know what I'm story? saying. That was, the boy. that was the boy Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson. If man. a law is unjust, you are obligated yeah. to break it. You want yep. the second story? Sure. Because you know what? Because like for the sake of the argument, right? Like food, 
food not bombs houston it sounds like a pretty liberal group right like it's a pretty leftist group like so someone on their right would be like yeah fuck those liberals so that's fair you know like people they're stuck in their ideological silos so we're gonna move on up to ohio now we're gonna move away from texas We've been on texas for a little bit we're gonna talk about ohio an ohio pastor the armpit of america i'm sorry an ohio pastor was arrested for housing homeless people. Chris Avell is his name, the pastor of Dad's Place, a church in Bryan, Ohio. He decided to keep his church open 24-7 last year to provide shelter and food for people who could not get a spot at a nearby homeless shelter. Unlike Joel Osteen, just by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Oh, you talking about uh, Hurricane <laughs> Katrina? Throwback! No, it was Hur- Hurricane Oh, no, no, Harvey, it was, yeah, Hurricane Harvey, yeah, yeah, yeah. He decided to keep his church open 24-7 last year to provide shelter and food for people who could not get a spot at a nearby homeless shelter. However, this violated the city's zoning code, which prohibits presidential use on the first floor for any building within the downtown area. He also faced fire code violations and a gas leak at the church. Avell was charged with 18 zoning violations by the city in December 2023 and pleaded not guilty at his arraignment in January 2024. He also filed a federal lawsuit against the city and its officials claiming that they violated his right to free exercise of religion and harass this church. He said he was simply trying to put his religious beliefs into action and help the most vulnerable people in his community. His case has sparked outrage and sympathy on social media among and among some religious freedom advocates. So what we're seeing here is trivial, absolute bullshit of ordinances and the big government literally creating bullshit laws to stop people from like one says exercising their freedom of speech and the other one says exercising their freedom of religion to all falls under the first amendment by the way we're making our right now in america we are making people criminals for feeding the homeless through arbitrary laws yeah, and it's like it's criminals in like a dumb, stupid, civil infraction, you know, misdemeanor kind of way. And you look at it, you go, that that almost makes it more dumb. You know what I mean? Like that we're just gonna like fine you for feeding the homeless in an, a quote unquote inappropriate way due to <laughs> civil ordinances. And and you look at it and you and you go, well, these organizations they wouldn't have to feed the homeless. If you had, if you would get rid of protectionist policies, if you would have a more quote unquote Rothbardian libertarian government, and you, you, you just simply wouldn't have as many homeless people. Right. Like, don't, don't, don't worry about making the homeless people not homeless. We'll just find the people that are feeding them. Which will make the homeless people go away. Like that's yeah, they're that, spending all their that, time that, on punishing the that, people. That's the mentality, though, Corey. It's it's just, it's 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 like have you ever been have you ever been told like don't feed a stray cat because if you feed <laughs> the stray cat, it will keep coming back to your front porch. Like yeah. that's that is what's going on here. Don't feed the stray cats because if you feed the stray cats, they'll never go away. I just it just blows my mind so of all up. the all the time and effort put by our government to charge these people with a crime 
when all of that time and effort can be put into solving the problem that they're failing at, that people have to step up and do it themselves. And, 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 and you, and then, and then you find them for doing so. And what's interesting is like the, you the, find them it? for helping you take care of a problem you're failing at. Well, and here's the other thing too, Corey, like I, I know we are not super pro law enforcement. In fact, we are going to have a special episode that I think you'll all want to tune into here coming up soon regarding law enforcement. We are not super pro law enforcement. However, I've seen a lot of these videos in the, what's the, the, what's the Houston one, the Houston organization, Corey, you mentioned their name. What's it called again? Food, not bombs, Houston food, not bombs. I've seen a couple of these videos where the Houston police are coming up and giving them fines. And you can tell that these police officers are not exactly pleased that they are doing this thing. But guess what, Dan? They, they didn't have it. to. I understand that. I understand that. But you can tell that's, that they're... So you, but you also understand that's why people say ACAB. It, what's ACAB? Say it again. All cops are bastards. Understood. Understood. But if you humanize the situation and you put yourself in the spot where you're that police officer and you you have to do it because you're going to lose your livelihood, right? Yeah. You're going to get fired. I saw some chump being a doofus and I got distracted. I saw some guy looking suspicious in an alleyway. You know what I mean? That, like, there's That's you, not. You, no, no, that's not the same thing. That's not the same thing as being called to a scene where you're instructed to give a ticket to somebody for violating an ordinance and you're like dude i really don't want to do this fucking fight you know what i'm saying though like you oh, so can, so they're just saying can, i don't want to do this just to make themselves feel better can you but can you humanize you, you, <laughs> okay so here's where you and i differ and this is going to be a <laughs> cory 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 has no ability to humanize humanize a police officer that's what you that's what you're demonstrating here. because you they dehumanize themselves them. because they 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 voluntarily dehumanize themselves. Oh man, this could get this could get interesting because I don't love cops either. But <laughs> I will say this: they are people, and they chose a career, and they chose that they career. They chose to be an NPC. You could say it however you want. They chose. They chose. <laughs> they, they, they may have. They may have made an ill-advised career choice. But how many? Uh, there are a lot of people that have. A lot of people that have made ill-advised career choices. They may they become a security guard. They make about five grand less because <laughs> they both get paid shit. You know what I mean? Like it's you like, don't it's, you don't you don't see any you don't see any human in that cop that goes. I have to give you this ticket, but I think it's fucking stupid, and I don't want to. But if I don't, I'm going to lose. So that's supposed. So what is that supposed to do? Make the guy who's getting the ticket feel better? No, it's not supposed to. But it's supposed to. It's supposed to make you understand that the guy oh, is that supposed the, to make him sleep better at night. It's supposed to it's supposed to give you the impression that the guy giving the ticket isn't the issue. It's the it's the system that he works underneath that is the problem. Like that guy that cop got into that job to do something good and now he's sitting there going Seriously, I'm giving like, fucking uh, tickets for people giving food to homeless people? Right, like the like the Nazi soldiers who said they were just following orders. Oh Jesus Christ, Corey! Don't be hyperbolic. <laughs> That's uh, that is that is absolute hyperbole. <laughs> that was hyperbolic, hundred percent. That, that is absolute that was false equivalent. <laughs> false equivalence. I'll and take you that. Know it. I'll take it. Lay it on me. No, you're hundred percent right. But but like no, it's just like 
Like, oh, I don't want to give you this ticket, but here you go. Officer that friendly. Absolute false equivalence. And you know it. And look, maybe, maybe a lot of those. Yeah. Guys, comparing them like, to Nazis. Yes, it was. But, but. Like, but let's say this, let's say this, let's say this. So like, if it were you or if it were me, and maybe there are officers that have done this because like there are officers leaving the force by the day, maybe a lot of those cops in those videos went and gave that ticket and went, what the fuck am I doing? And quit their job. Good for them. So like, but like, that's what I'm saying. Like you're, you're judging that officer. And maybe great, that's so, what he did. so yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're probably right. Good cops quit. <laughs> <laughs> what if good, good cops, cops quit their job? What if good cops try to change the policing system, but they can't do it because have you ever person. fucking seen American gangster? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what happens to good cops. The, the Denzel movie. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember it being really good. Remember the good cop turned in all the money they found and everyone turned their back on that I, cop? I don't know. Corey, I will say this, and this is going to come up in our special episode regarding police. Um, we, I think you and I do that. I think you and I pride ourselves on doing our very best and we, and we fail often. Both of us, you, me, Bell, we all do it. On not being absolutists. Yeah. I think that's our number it's, one I guess, thing. So maybe one other thing that does cloud my judgment on this is because everyone goes, oh, well, that's easy to say. But when you're put in that position, I used to work in the mental health field and I used to work with people who had brain injuries. And it was this weird little cosmos of this oppression of literally treating these people like animals. And I put my job on the line often by flagrantly skirting those rules to help these people live a little bit of let a better of a life to where like they could, I could have done these like, and it wasn't anything illegal. It was something as stupid as being able to go out back and smoke a cigarette when they were actual, like human beings and just it, it, silly things like that. And to where it's like, I would have lost my job, but my moral compass it was literally making an ethical decision of just letting this person being an independent human being or keeping my job. And I let that line go back and forth a lot and just letting these people have some dignity and doing different things. And that's, what's interesting. It's like you worked that job where you were kind of, I guess in some ways you were kind of like police and, and yeah, I they literally had us policing these people. I, I guarantee you, that there are cops all around the country every single day that probably doing their that same thing that skirt the rules. And then, and you walked away, you walked away from that, that career. Yeah, I did. And I think cops do that every single day. Like I, I am, I am a firm believer that police officers, because I, I know cops. Right. But I guess that's what I'm getting at. It's like the good police officers are typically the ones that are probably not police officers anymore. But I still think there are a lot of cops that get into the profession with good intentions. The same reason people join the military. They might be they, they might they might be dumb. They might not understand what they're getting into. The road to hell is paved with good intentions, Dan. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Dude, I know, I know. I, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you're not. You're not sorry. What is it? My shit eating grin? 
it's your my beard. shit eating my shit eating grin is uh superseding my feigned empathy remember Corey, <laughs> our goal our goal on this show maybe that's going to be the the slogan in our rebrand striving not to be absolutists we don't no, but always I succeed i'm a free speech absolutist I wouldn't say that. Why? Is that going to make me painted as a right person? Yeah, it makes you a fashion. Dude, I had that fucking liberal group liking my shit because I basically said the same thing. That group, uh, <laughs> your, your, your politics are based on loudly not understanding things or something like that. I was literally in there. Someone posted something about uh, Hitler's speeches. And how, like, it was, it was, the post was shitting on a right-wing group because they were pissed that Hitler's speeches weren't subtitled in the different documentaries and stuff you see. And I commented like, well, they absolutely fucking should be, you know? And I went on my whole spiel of how like we need bad ideas in the town square along with the good ideas. So we have a baseline of compare to compare and contrast and you need bad ideas to sharpen your tools. They combat bad ideas and you know, our whole spiel and all that stuff. Dude, I, yeah, but I can't, I can't say anything it. on that. I can't say anything on that. Look at look at me, dude. I'm look fucking at me. pale. I got blonde ass hair. Like I'm I am a poster child for the Aryan race. <laughs> like I got green yeah. eyes. Like, yeah, like if you had, blue. If you had my green, eyes, you'd be fucked. I'm a poster child for the Aryan race. So I can't say a whole lot <laughs> when it comes to that stuff. I know I used to be able to I, say, well, I, my hair is curly and I have a little bit of, uh, I have like 3% Jewish, Jewish in me. So I'm Jewish. I'm kind of a minority, but now everyone hates the fucking Jews. So like now I'm just, <laughs> so now I'm back at square one. <laughs> Dan, now I'm back to saying, well, I have black family members. Oh, just ask Barry Weiss, man. Everybody hates <laughs> Jews now. That's not an indictment. I still love. Uh, I was also a hyperbolic. I'm over here being super hyper and super. You are full. You are full of hyperbole tonight. Yeah. Just when it comes to cops. Anyway, I was going to get into a lightning round, but I think we've run out of time. We're almost two hours in two hours into this show. Yeah. Yeah, We'll, we'll try that next week. Uh, Stay tuned. Corey and I are going to have a special edition that is going to be podcast only. Actually, no, Bell will be there too. Right, I always forget about Bell. Look, he's fucking drinking his fucking water bottle as I bring him in here. <laughs> yeah, like I'll, be giant banana. I'll be there. I'll be there. He's like, I, I just, I smoke myself stupid. I gotta have my my banana water bottle. It literally no looked like you had a giant. Yet. You looked like you had a giant banana in your hands. It looked like you were taking the dick of a wacky inflatable <laughs> arm flailing too, man. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Corey, why don't you tell the people? <laughs> What's they funny is it? that's actually a 20 ounce bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> now that's a good really? one. <laughs> <laughs> that, that bottle, that bottle's like the size of a, like a regular Coke can. <laughs> that was just a little guy. This is a, this is a short sport. <laughs> <laughs> All Corey, tell the people, tell the people where they can find us. Okay. Bass. <laughs> Let's start a podcast. Let's find all social <laughs> media and podcast platforms. Our website is libservativeshow.com. We can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Instagram and Twitter at Libservative Pub. 
Our TikTok videos can be found at Libsurdo Podcast, and you can reach out directly at libsurdopod at gmail.com. Subscribe today. Subscribe yesterday. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Tell a friend. Tell it a helps. friend if you have any. Rebel the body snatcher unless on the cop. ones and twos. Don't tell them unless listen to this. I don't want tickets. Unless, unless they're a cop, Corey will never speak to them. He'll be like he'll be like speaking to a fucking uh identitarian left winger. Oh, I just don't want them to, to listen to this show and then all of a sudden I'm getting harassed for broken taillights or something that I don't have that all of a sudden appear. <laughs> Bell the Body Snatcher on the ones and twos. He as always has been Corey Walsh. He's Dan Griffin. This is Ben Libservative. And until next time, we are out of here. We the people cannot end that.